Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Drapier. And this is episode 19 of History on the Table. Hello, Rich. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Awesome. So, uh, let's just, full disclosure here, <laughs> we're about 15 minutes into the episode, and Rich and I broke on this beautiful tangent about Advanced Squad Leader and all this awesome stuff. And then I look at my audio track and I'm like, this doesn't look right. And all I was doing was uh, just recording, doing a double recording of Rich's beautiful voice. It's the lost uh, audio. It's going to be for yeah. our Patreon supporters. And we <laughs> had it right. all figured out. I mean, we were in that 15 minutes, we revolutionized the game industry. We yes. fixed the COVID problem. It was everything was all good, but yep. it's lost, lost to history. Yeah, you can access that as soon as I launch launch the Patreon, which that's never gonna happen. So, uh, but I am I'm doing well. Um, busy month, busy month. Personally, I haven't done much of anything uh, gaming wise. I haven't done any RPGing really, off and on. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later. I played a really simple RPG, and it was really refreshing to get away from like these big bulky systems to play like a little thirty page zine. Yeah, I've always been, I've never played one, but the, the whole like idea of these one page RPGs, I, I think is interesting. Yeah, I think you got to go in with the right, the right mindset, right? Like you got to know what you're getting into and you got to have the right group of players that are willing to, I think it asks more of the players. Yeah, it's probably true. Because um, there's not as much of a, a safety net, yeah. you know. On the other hand, you could just tell the players, yeah, just play, and the GM is the one that's going to be responsible for adjudicating everything. Uh, right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what about you? Any Anything new in your world? Uh, busy for me, too. Just, you know, work stuff in general. So um, I after, after, or before our last recording, after I did my triathlon and everything, I kind of went on a gaming binge where I played a bunch of stuff. So now I've leveled off a little bit. I haven't played as much, but I am playing some things. Good. Yeah. Good. I do have a bunch of stuff. Let me say a bunch of stuff. I have some war games, Vassal, live play scheduled, um, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, back into ASL and then back into our old friend Last Hundred Yards. Remember that little game? I do remember that game. That was, you know, I don't think I've I, played that. It's it's been quite a while. It's been a while since I played that. So, well, the new ones coming out and i was like i really yeah. want to one i want to get that game on the list because airborne's I coming think, out right and that what's right, coming out airborne's okay. coming out and so i want to i want to play that i want to go in fresh on my mind be able to just dive into airborne and you know experience it uh, but i also want to get last hundred yards on the list because i i do think it's a great world war ii tactical game and i think if we go back and listen to the 2009 end of the year episode mm-hmm. i think i've left it off on like a lot of the discussion so Okay. Uh, I want to give it its due praise because I do think it's a great game. Yeah, it'd be a good one to revisit. Yeah. So I've got that coming up. It'll be nice to, I long for the day when we'll be able to do some some face-to-face stuff. But even then, like over the last month, I wouldn't have been able to do much face-to-face anyways. Uh, But I did, I'm pretty excited about, I had the ASL trio from Ultimate Publishing come in. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's the Swedish Volunteers, uh, the Roma 2020 pack, and the Best of Friends 2 pack. Yeah. Of the three of those, I would, I'd love to have all of them, but Swedish Volunteers is the one that 
I didn't pick it up yet, but I think I'm probably going to just because I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's, it's fear of missing out or what, but I, I want that one for sure. The other ones kind of feel like more scenarios and I would love to play more scenarios, but Swedish volunteers is going to give me counters. Oh yeah. Right. The, all the, the other two are just scenarios and they each come with one map. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want the, the bulk of that pack is the Swedish volunteers. Now I'm, Anything Scandinavian, sign me up for. <laughs> so Swedes, Finns, Norwegians, whatever. Um, it was a no-brainer to get the Swedes. I had already purchased the Finns separately um, just to get the the Finnish counters because uh, that's what I wanted. And that, that Swedish Volunteers pack actually has quite a few Swede versus Finn scenarios. Do they have anything with like the, the ski troops or anything? Oh, that's a good question because I got to pick one out. So we're playing a scenario from that pack in two weeks. And I just got to go through the scenarios and see what pops out of me. But yes, I hope so. Awesome. And do they have, <laughs> and <laughs> this is because the Nordic stuff I'm not as familiar with. Did the Swedes fight against the Finns ever in world war two? Yes. They did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. And so that's what some of these scenarios are. Are Swedes, Finns, um gosh now you're making me second guess myself yeah yeah (laughs) now here's the thing that i don't know is like which version of the fins were they fighting against right you know because like you get two kinds of fins you get the the fins that were germany's bitch and then you get the fins that were uh russia's bitch (laughs) sounds sounds like a uh a good good topic for a game on the finnish civil war (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. See, now I'm looking for um. Do, do, do. Okay, so when Germany invaded both Denmark and Norway in April 1940, one hundred thousand Swedish soldiers had been deployed to the Finnish border in northern Sweden. So, um, I actually don't know how much fighting they did, if any. Hmm. So egg on my face, but that's something I'm going to look into. That that email from our last episode about the the Finnish game company is still nagging me in the back of my mind. And we'll talk about the GMT update here in a little bit, but I keep waiting for Red Winter to come back out. And it's it's made the cut for a long time now, but um, yes, please, more Scandinavian stuff. But <laughs> I'm going to do some research on this because... Now I look like a fool because I'm not certain about the Finns and the Swedes. I shouldn't have asked. But, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let's just restart the whole recording again. <laughs> um, and another thing that, since we're talking about it, the Red, um, gosh, I want to say Red Rising. Rising Sun is available for pre-order again. Yeah, definitely. That was That was Insta for me. I mean, I've been waiting a while for that one to come out, so sure. Yes, and that is a big component of when I when I bought into ASL, I bought into ASL because of the Korea module. And I remember seeing like someone asked like what do you need to enjoy Korea? And Korea is super dependent on a whole bunch of stuff for overlays, for maps, counters, whatever. Um and they I want to say the advice was if if you have Beyond Valor and Rising Sun, you're a good way there to at least be able to enjoy part of Korea. So now I no longer have an excuse. I can finally just go play Korea 
hopefully we'll see. Yeah, that's interesting. I did not realize that. Um, I, I did not get the Korea module. Um, not that I have anything against it. I would, I would definitely play it, but I always kind of saw Korea as ASL adjacent rather than regular ASL, just because it was a, a slightly different time period. I didn't realize that it actually depended on those modules like that. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's because of overlays and stuff. I don't really think it's so much like, yeah. you're not, I don't really think you're pulling a whole bunch of like U S troops in or something like that. And it comes with, with counters. Yeah. And I, I do think you use some Marines. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. But I didn't realize you didn't own forgotten war. Nope. Don't own it. Ooh. Yeah. And then, um, but- one thing that will be great for me personally for face-to-face ASL is when I get uh, Rising Sun, whenever it comes out, then that I think that might be everything that I need to play all of the St. Louis ASL modules. So St. Louis ASL mm. put out a, a pack called, uh, it was about in the India Burma Theater. I can't remember the exact name of the pack, but um, obviously... I might still need for King and Country. Not sure about that, but I'm I'm pretty sure Rising Sun will pretty much cover me on that. Oh, so you don't have for King and Country either? No, I don't have for King and Country either, which that's another one that I'm thinking about picking up. So that is coming out soon. They right. just had a post about that they had a printing error, so they're right. they're going back to the printers. Yeah, Quadigar, I I would love to have, but I felt I felt like I could I could skip that one, but King and Country I think I want to get. Rising Sun was instant for me, and then they haven't even announced it, but eventually I'm sure they'll reprint whatever they call their North Africa one. I'll probably pick that one up as well. Well, I thought that was in for King and Country. Is that in for King and Country? Oh, well then I got to get it then. I, I um, thought they had a different one for the Desert Rules, but I couldn't remember. No, you may be right. You would know better than I do. Not necessarily. Um, <laughs> but I thought for King and Country was like kind of like how Beyond Valor or not, not isn't Yanks. Well, Rising. Oh, I'm going to use Rising. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the sure. British Order of Battle. So I guess, I mean, that would make sense. But right, for some but, reason, I was thinking there was a separate module that had the desert stuff in it. And I thought, like, so Rising Sun is Gung Ho and Kota Bushido combined, right? That sounds right, thought, yeah. I thought maybe that's what they were doing with for King and Country, but Rising Sun is twice the price of for King and Country. So I, I could be wrong here. But um, let's see. Italians are Hollow Legions. I don't know if Last Hurrah has that looks deserty on the Last the Hurrah. I actually have um, that's okay. that's a very small module. It's a it's hmm. a smaller box and it's it's even got like some mounted maps in there. And from what I hear, the scenarios are pretty unbalanced. But I got it pretty cheap at the game store. So yeah, I'd have to go through these scenarios to see what they are. But I I love playing the British. Um, the British I think are super fun to play. The the few times I've played them from um, I've done a a PTO with um, some of the Indian forces, which use the same rules as the British. Um, anyways, yeah, for King Country, that should be coming out soon, and, and I'm in for that for sure because the British are awesome. <laughs> Good. I, I and I, I like, I mean, I haven't uh, I haven't seen exactly what's in there. I like a lot of the early war stuff rather than the late war stuff um, just because mm. I think it's more fun when you're kind of shooting pea shooters at each other rather than everything is a kill, you know? 
Oh yeah, right. So yeah, some some sense. of the older tanks that didn't have very big guns and they're slow and didn't have radios, all that stuff. I think that adds that makes it more interesting. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to get back to it because I th- I think the last time I played ASL was when you and I played. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, and that right. was getting that was because you were hoping to go to the ASL tournament, right? That's exactly yeah. what it was. So that would be February and March is the last time I played. Wow. Uh, well, it would be you and I, and then I did the Pumas on the Prowl to get a better grasp of tanks. Yeah. But that was the same deal, to get ready for the tournament. So this whole this whole kickback, like my drive to get back in the ASL is because you've been playing the historical modules. Oh, yeah. So good. I missed the last couple of weeks, but when I say I missed them, I really have missed them. They're, it's it's so much fun. I'm loving Hatton and Flames. Stalingrad is good too, but I, for some reason, I, I like the Hatton and Flames a little more. That like the thing I was supposed to play with a guy at the last KC ASL meetup before the tournament. We were supposed to play Stalingrad in just a small chunk of it right. just to see the map sure. and stuff and he was going to take me through it and that just reminds me of another victim missed opportunity it's <laughs> sad yeah well good so the only thing i've i've really added to uh i've got a couple things on the way that we'll talk about here normally we don't talk about the gmt update but we're recording so close to the day that it came out that i figured we would but why don't you go ahead and tell us about what what you have on your shelf uh on my shelf new games uh so i i got all bridges burning which was a p500 from gmt it was actually we talked about at the beginning of the year when we did our most anticipated games because this is a coin game it's the 10th game in the coin series um and i used to be a huge coin fan and over the last few i've just sort of lost interest um the last couple like gandhi and i can't remember the name of it the one that takes place in in britain post-roman britain um pendragon those two i actually both sold just because i played them a few times and just didn't really catch my interest the way some of the other games did but all bridges burning is first three player coin game so that caught my interest because i've got a couple gaming friends that were always looking for a good three-player game and it just seemed interesting to me so um i've played it about three times so far and so far it's pretty good it's like everything that i like about coin if you hate coin, you probably won't like the game. But if you like coin, it's definitely a, a good coin game. You know, coin is coin is absent from that reward game ever list. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm the driving factor behind that because as a general rule, I don't like coin. I've, I've spoken to that mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, but we should remedy that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll probably, I obviously not today, but ABB will... I think we'll we'll get it get onto the list because I can see myself playing it more in the future. And it's it's not yeah. even my favorite coin game, but it's good. I enjoy it. We t- we I said don't... last time we shouldn't be only only playing the best games and ABB right. is is going to fit in that sort of middling category where they're they're fun to play, but it's it's not going to compete with uh you know, the US Civil War or Red Storm. Well, we need some bottom feeders too. So, <laughs> I don't want to play those games. I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of those coin games, I would, I would definitely classify as bottom feeders for sure, just, just personally. But we know that every war game on our list is completely objective. So, my personal bias actually really doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I will say this: I don't turn down coin games because, um, especially with like m- the guys before I really got into war gaming in Kansas City, 
Um, one of the guys that plays with a lot still plays war games, but two of the other guys were more Euro guys. Mm-hmm. And coin was a way to play something war game esque with them. So I don't really turn down those games. Yeah, uh, that's so I'll play them. That's but. one of the really good things about the coin system is if you know the system and you have the player aid card in your hand, you can literally sit down and just play a game without ever looking at the rule book. I mean, you may not be good at it. You may right. not understand the intricacies of that particular version. And in All Bridges Burning, there's some things that are a little different from the other games. But I mean, with the player aid card, you can sit down and say, okay, well, you know, I'm trying to. I'm trying to pull this lever. I'm trying to make this thing move here. So I can just try to do that every turn and see what happens. Well, good. Yeah. And then I also picked up an 18XX game. I got 18 mechs, which is one of the few that you can actually just like pick up and buy without going through third party somewhere. So, yeah, I was looking for uh, one of the, the simpler ones. I really want to play 1870 again, mostly just because it takes place right here. Um, but 18 mechs, I've heard good things about it and haven't played it yet, but I'm going to, my, I want to teach that to my wife and daughter. They said they would be interested in, in trying one out. So I wanted one of the simpler ones. Did you get that from all aboard games? I did. Yeah. 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 So all aboard is one of, I guess, three companies, eight, uh, GMT, all, excuse me, all aboard games and the guy that made, 18 Chesapeake, right? Oh, man, all the... Yeah, I know there is a third one. I can't remember what it is, so, but yeah. Uh, 18 Chesapeake is made by All Aboard Games. Oh, what's the... But even All Aboard Games doesn't have all of them. They've got a few available, so... Well, they only have the rights to so many. Yeah. What is the 18... Is it New England? 18 New England. That's what I'm thinking of. Nope, son of a bitch. <laughs> well, whatever. While now you're Googling so far... things, I will say there is another one, and I haven't played this one yet, but a friend is actually going to send it to me, uh, 18AL, which is mm. really one of the simplest ones, and you can just print and play that yourself if you want. Yes, and 18AL is good. I actually still really like 18AL. Yeah. I've been playing that on 18xx.games. Um, I think that's a good one to... Uh, to teach people yeah for sure it's gonna 1861 1867 is made by grand trunk games that's what i'm thinking of is that the one that came out as a two-pack about a year ago okay it's 6167 so really in my eyes and i could be missing someone there's kind of three active companies where you could as long as they have them in stock get readily professionally made 18xx games and that's all board games and they've got quite a bit like on pre-order right now, and right. I think they still have some stuff in their warehouse, like 1817. Oh, they've got 18 West coming out. That one looks I'm very excited for 18 West. They've also got 18 Mississippi mm-hmm. on pre-order, which um, is a game I didn't think I'd like, and I've only played it once a few turns so far, but I really like how kind of overpowered the miners are because it's got a fixed number of operating rounds. Anyways, so so you've got uh, all board. Go ahead. We can talk more about 18xx later, but if you say the miners are overpowered, does that does that put you in a situation where like the opening bidding is going to like knock somebody out of the game before they even get to operate? 
No, I guess they're not overpowered. It's just I find them interesting in the frame of that game. And, and let's talk about that later. What I will say real quick is, so you have a GMT. Obviously, they have their 18xx games, all board games. And the other one is Grand Trunk games. The other option you can do is you can go to Golden Spike games. That's the one, one I was thinking of, making, yeah. Yeah. But he is, it's like a 12 to 16 month wait period. <laughs> um and I think over a year ago I put an order in for eighteen thirty two and and haven't heard from him. Now he's had all kinds of health issues and all. He's just one guy and I get it. I'm patiently waiting. I'm in no rush. But um that's your like fourth option. Or you do print and play. Yeah. So we'll talk more more choo choo stuff later, but uh, yeah, I had no idea you were going to go out and get yourself an 18xx game. That's awesome. Yeah, my uh, my wife and my two daughters were taking a little gaming vacation, not for a couple months. We're going to take it between Christmas and New Year's. We're just going to like rent a cabin and just go away from the world for 10 days or so. And we're just going to play a bunch of games. And that's that's one that I wanted to bring because um, nice. we've been playing. My, they love Ticket to Ride. And I was like, hey, imagine this game, but you also get to <laughs> buy into other people's companies as well. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Especially my daughter, who's she's in college and she's taking an economics class. I'm like, yeah, I'll teach you this game. It'll be fun. Yeah, no, that would that would be awesome. I've tried I've tried establishing the same bridge for <laughs> uh, my wife and in-laws, but it hasn't stuck yet. We did the uh, go to a cabin and get away from the world this summer, and I brought like a giant IKEA bag full of games, uh-huh. but. I spent most of the time getting piss ass drunk in the lake and that was also <laughs> enjoyable. So but in the winter it may be a little cold for that. Well, I can't get oh, piss ass drunk inside. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Oh, man, I miss I miss the lake. Uh anyways, let's talk uh let's talk a little bit about GMT's October update. I don't um I guess well, no war game podcast that I know of is really updating all that frequently. I guess you could go watch um no enemies here for your news updates. But even when I set out, I, I really never thought I would cover much news just because of the, you know, we only do this once a month most of the time. And so, but this just did come out a couple of days ago. So I just thought we'd spend a few minutes and maybe just hit some highlights from GMT's October update. And I'm going to assume that the biggest highlight for both of us is next war Vietnam. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Mitch has had his copy for a month and a half now. So, I mean, I realize his name is on the front of the box, so he gets special treatment. But still, I actually, I was, <laughs> I actually got to see his copy. Man, it had to be like six, eight weeks ago or something like that. So, ever since then, I've been waiting for my copy, and um, I was hoping it would be here by now. But I guess I saw the picture of everything stacked up, said so "Do not touch," and one of those is mine. It'll be here. I, I freaked out and I, I put in a chat request because I was like, I better double check because I was going through my P500 stuff and I didn't have Vietnam on there. I oh. Fixed that as quick as, now this was a few months ago, but then I went and double checked. Whoops. I went and double checked when I saw that picture that everyone was tweeting about mm-hmm. and it's like showed order was canceled and renumbered. But then I couldn't find that number in my orders. Hmm. And so what they had done is they had paired Next War Vietnam and Normandy 44 together. But that paired order wasn't showing up in my orders. 
So I was like, uh, I just want to make sure I'm getting this. And like, oh, yeah, of course, we just have it. So that's, yeah. We got next door Vietnam and the, the mounted map. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get any mounted maps or anything. Um, probably the only mounted map that I kind of wish I had was, would be for unconditional surrender Europe, which I could get if I wanted, but it's not that big a deal. Mounted maps versus non mounted maps. I mean, I'm going to throw plexiglass over it anyway, so it's not that big a deal to me. Yeah. I'm actually, this is probably my last special mounted map. Yeah. Like, I have them for Genesis and Pax Romana. And it's like, I don't need this. Genesis. Like, it's just huh. taking up space in the box. Yeah. Um, And I, I'm now to the point where, like, I really don't care. Yeah. I mean, I like having the Simoninches maps mounted. And Normandy 44 is one of my favorite games, so I went ahead and got it. But I just had, like, a realization when... You know, our, our whole game room and stuff is a mess when I was packing through everything. It's like, these mountain maps are really just kind of taking up space. Yeah, sure, it's nice, mm-hmm. but I I don't mind, like, the paper maps under Plexi at all. Yeah. So. I'm trying to think what games I have that do have. So, U.S. Civil War, I have a mounted map. Right. Um. Yeah, there are a few others. I think the, uh, the Ted Racier games, I don't. Some of those, like Dark Valley, mm. has a mounted map, but yeah, most yeah, of them, it really doesn't matter because it's getting plexiglass on it anyway. Well, right. Imperial Struggle, that map's mounted. Right, right. Oh, that's a good looking map. Wow, that's a really good looking map. Um, and then the last thing I, I since, since we already talked about it, is the last hundred yards airborne mm-hmm. coming out, which I'm very excited about. So and, I can't know, remember kind- because I didn't order that one. So is that one shipping? Is that are they that there? That is coming out in November. November, okay. Is when I think they. Another picture that Gene tweeted out was I think they got their proof to look over and make sure everything was okay. So I'm assuming that we get that by the end of the year. Cool. I hope. Yeah, it'd be interesting um, to see what the what the differences are if it's you know because. I think airborne. You don't really think like new vehicles, maybe. So I don't know. Hey man, it's been so long since I played the game. I can't remember, you know, I compare everything to ASL, but in ASL, yeah. you know, the difference in airborne, the main difference is going to be morale level. So I guess, do they have that in the last hundred yards? I honestly can't remember at this point. Neither can I. So I look forward to getting back to it <laughs> we'll because I, I just, I, the thing that sticks with me in that game is the like uh, line of sight over, uh, different elevation levels like it's got a different elevation system and that sticks with me really well um and then obviously like the timing rules i mean that that whole game is about anyone can shoot you anywhere along your movement yeah so it's got this whole kind of time it plays with time a lot is what i'm trying to say so those things stick with me but honestly i don't remember (laughs) if it's got morales and shit like that yeah that was the best part about that game to me was the time element saying yeah yeah you can take these buildings but can you do it in a certain amount of time because time is victory points right yeah i i'm very much looking forward to get back to that so should be fresh by the time airborne drops see what i did there um And then, yeah, that was kind of it from the update. I mean, there's other stuff that's already been announced. Like, yeah, I'm just as, I'm very excited about Border Reavers and stuff like that. Anything from Yeah, I, I mean, I love Ed Beach, but I don't know that I want another six-player game. You know what I mean? And I that's, guess this one's like four point. to six, but still, 
Um, yeah, but technically, yeah. here I stand is two to six, you know? Right, yeah. And <laughs> so, I'm never going to play that with less than six, so. Right. Yeah, which is the reason I haven't P500'd it. Um, but, I mean, it's a GMT, so it's going to be available. Like, if somebody brings it to a game day and it's amazing, I'll be able to pick it up at Miniature Market because it's GMT. Whereas with sure. MMP, I can't get that stuff at Miniature Market, so I'm more likely to pre-order it. You know... The crazy thing about MMP is they haven't, I don't know if it's a COVID thing. I used to get my MMP stuff either through AGR sales or cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like most of my game purchases would just over the, like the last 10 years have been cool stuff Inc. or local and local doesn't carry MMP. Yeah. The cool stuff hasn't restocked anything from MMP all year. Really? And all everything that they had before is gone. Like you would find random ASL packs and stuff on mm-hmm. cool stuff so i don't know if mmp is going away from that i don't know if it's a cool stuff decision but uh no mmp stuff over there anymore hmm. anyways uh i will tell you this that border reavers is more interesting topic wise to me than virgin queen um but i don't have virgin queen yeah I've never yeah, played Virgin so, Queen. That's that's definitely yeah, a game right. that I would like to play just because I love Here I Stand so much. Never played Virgin Queen. Right. I'm almost always uh, playing Here I Stand. I mean, I pretty much always have a Vassal game going of that game. I would like to play that again. Maybe this winter. We always shut down the office at work for a week. <laughs> before a kid, I would just have these amazing weeks of like my yeah. life going to work. And I would watch 12 hours of Poldark and <laughs> not get off the floor. <laughs> Poldark is a very much a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, but I bet I could weasel one day to do another all day here I stand game. Yeah, that was amazing. That was fun. It was. That was so fun. Plus I won. Maybe I should yeah, just stop You should retire the best game like I, I did after my first 18xx game. <laughs> but then I got <laughs> well, well, not anymore. It. You're it. You're <laughs> I <in> know. It. <laughs> My second, and it, and my second bankrupt. one, I went bankrupt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, good, good, good. Um, so, anything else on your shelf? Uh, no, no, no new games on the shelf. Kind yeah, of- I got some, um, just some like euros and stuff that I gave to my wife, and we'll, I get, we'll talk about this later. But we're still waiting on our game table. It's not like behind schedule or anything. But I got her some games for us to play to to break in the table once it comes in. But that's that's kind of it for me. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about books. So I've been reading a whole bunch of uh, spooky season books, which I'll talk <laughs> about later. But I've been reading Empire of the Summer Moon, which is S.C. Gwynn's book on the Comanche Empire. Yeah, I did not join the book club for this month, mostly just because I had other stuff going on and I didn't think I'd have time to read it. Sure. It's it's short. Yeah, uh, It's not near as long as the last book we read, which <laughs> was very, very long and very, very dry. The big difference here is S.C. Gwynn's not a historian. Um, He's a journalist, and so I think it's a much easier read. Um, I think overall, I'm probably 75% through the book right now. I'm enjoying it. I think it doesn't have the best history. I'm not at the point of... Some people find this book very, very problematic. And I'm finding that the more I go on with it, the less problematic I'm, I'm finding the book. And I'm not here to make a, a statement on that. It's nowhere near as problematic as reading something like uh, Shelby Foote. For so example, is which... this, is it revisionist history, sort of like the Noble Savage kind of thing? Or what is it? No, it's more, it's almost the, the opposite of that. Um, 
some people have found this book very uh, racist and he does say some weird things, you know, like something like how old is the book? 2007, something like that. 2010. It's interesting that a book that's about a period. And I mean, we're basically talking what 19th century, 1800s. I don't know the exact time they were at their most powerful, but I mean, if you're talking about a book that was written only 10, 15 years ago, about 150 or 200 years ago, it seems odd that they would apply a racist spin to it. Well, and I don't know if he really, and that, and that's, I guess, kind of my, my point is I don't have as many problems with the book as other people are. Now, he does do some weird things, in my, my opinion. Like, he'll say something like, and when the Spanish... I got to paraphrase here because I don't know the quote. And like when the Spanish arrived at the Red River, it marked the first human history in the West or something. Like that. <laughs> well, so like now you just degraded a whole, not only just Comanches, but yeah. thousands and thousands of people is not as humans. And he, he really likes to call them savage and barbarians and stuff. And yeah, that seems, uh, that just seems really odd for something that was written 10 or 15 years ago, you know? Right. And now I, obviously they did horrendous things, but, now he has described some of the awful things that white people did uh, on the Western frontier later in the book. But when the book book started out, like he went into a very graphic, I wouldn't say that graphic. I didn't have any problems with the graphicness of the description, but he described like the gang rape they committed on white settlers. Hmm. And then and he goes I never on knew to, about that. That's interesting. Right. And so like, I mean, they weren't, good people right i mean they did horrendous things obviously they had a different level of morale code than europeans do and all that stuff i'm not not trying to make a comment on that but then later on he goes on in the book and when um the republic of texas you know basically committed genocide against the cheyennes he really just kind of blows past it really quick Mm -hmm. you know like you you spend paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs describing gang rape and then, like, then you mentioned just in pretty short detail that they committed genocide against Cheyennes. And it's just things like that that I understand where some people will get the wrong vibe from this book. I don't think it's as problematic to read as something like Shelby Foote. So I think <laughs> what the the what you would need, I guess my point here is, the book's very well written. I don't think it's a great history. Again, he's a journalist. So he writes a very good book. What I would recommend if you really wanted to get like a balanced view, I guess, is read his book. And then another one I've seen is called The Comanche Empire by Pekka. I'm not even going to try the last name because I'll just butcher it. But um, I think you could probably like pair those together or you could just read uh, Empire of the Summer Moon and get a... I think just have the right understanding that maybe understanding it isn't the best history, Mm -hmm. but I also think like he calls them savages and barbarians and well, obviously some of the things they did were very savage and very barbaric. I don't, I'm not trying to argue that they're not, but anyways, that that's probably going to make some people mad or maybe it won't. Maybe people don't really care. My point is I get why some people will be upset with this book. I don't think it rises to the level of like 
oh, this book is blatantly racist. I just think he makes interesting mm-hmm. choices. It definitely has a um, Eurocentric point of view. Okay. And, yeah. And then he'll do things like, oh, and she died of starvation. But then he goes on to say it's like, and two years later, she caught influenza <laughs> and died, which was probably made worse by her starvation. It's like, well, so like I get the point you're making or it's like, and the Apaches canceled the treaty with the Spanish because they felt like the Spanish couldn't defend them. And then it's like, and he says that's the main reason. But then he like describes eight other reasons that were probably the other reason. Like, yeah, I really don't know how much the Apaches were like thinking of the Spanish as a great white hope there, bud. But I'm not a historian. I don't know. Overall, I am enjoying the book. I just think it has its problems. Hmm. You could probably talk to someone else who's reading the book and they probably don't feel the same way I do. Mm. Well, it sounds like we're on a bad streak because I'm reading a book that I don't think is very good either. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, hold on, hold on. I do think oh. the book is good. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to clarify that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still, I think I talked about it last time too. Hungary, 1944 to 45, the Forgotten Tragedy. I mean, it's okay. There's There's nothing terrible about it, but... It's hard to, I think part of it is it wasn't written in English and it's been translated and I think it's been translated poorly. I mean, there's just a lot of like, there's grammatical errors and spelling errors and even like typographical errors. It just looks very sloppy. And anytime I read a book like that, because I'm I'm reading it to find out something about the history that I didn't know. And it automatically always in the back of my mind, I'm saying, can I trust this book? You know what I mean? Like, am I, am I just hearing things that are wrong? Because if they're sloppy on all this stuff, how do I know the history is right? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's not really what I was looking for, but, um, I'm, I'm working my way through it. So it's okay. I, I just want to say something cause you, you put out a good point. Like you're reading it to learn something you don't know about that time period yeah. or that specific subject matter. I will say, much like Shelby Foote did, <laughs> that the Empire of the Summer Moon book has, I've learned more about the Comanche Empire than I like even got close to ever knowing. Sure. I mean, I've had dabbles of Native American history here and there, um, but every tribe is so different. And so, um, whether the the author is wrong in his approach or not, I will say this book has done a very good job of at least exposing me to the history of an empire that I hardly knew anything about. Mm-hmm. Anyways, go on. Yeah. And then I finished An Army at Dawn, finally. I've been working on oh, that nice. one for a while. So that was good. Um, it's the first in a trilogy. I'm probably not going to start in on the second book right away, but I mean, that's a, that's a great book. It really, it goes into the personalities. It goes into the conflicts between the U.S. and the British. It talks about the, you know, the Germans. It really, I mean, it's obviously told from an American point of view, but they talk about everyone. They talk about the Italians, the French, the Germans, the British, everyone. Um, really just well-written, good, good book. It basically finishes up with the sort of the end of the North Africa campaign as they're preparing to go to Sicily. And I think Italy's probably the second volume and then the third volume will will be Europe. So. Yeah. Right. I've wanted to read the, well, I've wanted to read the trilogy. Actually, I've wanted to read most of Rick Atkinson's books. I haven't. Yeah. I have several of them, but I haven't read them yet. Have you read his revolutionary war book? 
No, I have okay. it. Okay. I bought it when it came out. Um I I really it all started with wanting to read the Sicily book. I know I've talked about it. I have a huge interest in um Sicily just cuz I I don't know, I find it interesting that Sicily was this major um maybe not major, but it was a, such a a big piece of the the puzzle in World War II, mm-hmm. and I guess growing up I didn't I didn't know that, so I've always found Sicily interesting. Anyways, so since then I've wanted to read his books, and I it's impossible for me to jump into book two, even though I know I did <laughs> without reading book one. Yeah, and so they're all on my uh, to read list. Yeah, I haven't picked it up yet, um, but I think one of the next books I'm going to get is the new Sicily book by. It's James Holland, I believe, um, who does We Have Ways of Making You Talk. He just came out with a new Sicily book. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to pick that one up and read that one. Interesting. I didn't know. So one of those guys is an author and one of those guys is a comedian, right? Right. Yeah. Or a historian and a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. And James Holland, he's he's the historian author. In fact, his brother is an author, too. His brother is, is Tom Holland, who wrote Persian Fire, as well as some other books. So. Have you read any of James Holland's books before? I have not. I haven't read any of his books. I only hmm. know him from the podcast. Okay. I don't see his. So I had his Burma book flagged as to read. I don't know when I did that. Mm. And he's got a Malta book. Yeah, I think he's, he's got, got a book, book about. He's got a, lot of stuff. he's got a book about the Battle of Britain, I think, too. Sicily 43. There it is. Yeah, definitely putting that on the to read list nice yeah i think i'm i think i'm gonna pick that one up in paper and and read that one next and then i was just looking for something different i think partially just because the hungry book wasn't very good and i finished up an army of dawn i was looking for something that was maybe historical adjacent so actually just today on the on the on bgg they were talking about matterhorn which is i guess Mm -hmm. historical fiction about vietnam but it looked good so i just picked that one up today and started it yeah, I've got the audio book of that that I just as soon as I have time to get to it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that like historical I like historical fiction but I don't I didn't know if I would like military yeah. historical fiction. It's hit or miss with me. I mean, I've right. had some like I listened to one about the Battle of Shiloh. I can't remember the name of it. And the whole time I was thinking this is kind of interesting, but it's not really my thing. So that's part of the reason I got it on Hooplas. I didn't want to spend an audible credit on something I'm probably only going to listen to once and probably wouldn't read a second time. So stuff like that is perfect to just check out on Hoopla if it's there. And and then you know that's not a bad idea. Yeah, the could, permanent stuff I'll, I'll I'll spend a credit or buy. Yeah. Maybe I should swap out. <laughs> that's a wonderful thing about audio because you got to. I probably wouldn't listen to Matterhorn again. Yeah, you know, you got to see if your library has Libby, and then you can double up your Hoopla and Libby. Right, and they don't. They don't talk to each other. <laughs> so they don't tell on J- you. <laughs> yeah, right. Jason from uh, Advanced After Combat pointed it out to me. It's like this has doubled my monthly checkouts because now I can use Hoopla for comics, and then I just use Libby for the audio stuff. Uh, it's been really nice, yeah. but the the one piece of military historical fiction that I really liked was Things They Carried, but it took me a long time to read it because I was hesitant because it's like, well, how much of this is true and how much of this is, is fiction? But right. It was phenomenal. Yeah. 
And I think that's the thing. I think it's, it's kind of like with the hungry thing where if I don't completely trust the book, it takes Mm -hmm. something away from it. And obviously if it's historical fiction, they're not even claiming that it's, it's true. So, you know, based on a true story, what does that mean? (laughs) Right, right, right. That's a good point, and that's yeah, it's it's a yeah. hurdle to get over. But I heard but, that this one is good, so I'm gonna listen right. to it. Matterhorn has been recommended uh, to me time and time again. Have you read Chicken Hawk yet? I can't remember if. No, I have not. Okay, that should definitely be on your your list. Um, I don't. I gladly. What's spent wait? That's not the one that on. James Webb wrote, is it? No, it's by Robert Mason. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I spent an audible credit on it and, and enjoyed it. thought it was a good one. But if you see that on Hoopla or Libby, I would uh, definitely highly, highly recommend that. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. Good. Anything else? Any other? No, that's it. That's it for books. That's it for books. Good. Good. Well, let's go back to games. Mine will be pretty quick because um, I haven't spent enough time on either of these games to really talk about in detail, but at least they're out or at least on the digital screen or out of shrink wrap um one of those is Comancheria, um, which obviously i wanted to play in connection with empire of the summer moon um i remember when i got into war games that navajo wars interested me mm-hmm. but before at that time it was all about like playing games with my brother and navajo wars was obviously uh single player so i never pulled the trigger on navajo wars and I don't know. I might go back to it. It, it really just kind of depends on how much I end up enjoying uh, Comancheria. So those Navajo Wars and Comancheria are solo games designed by Joel Toppin. And they're made by GMT. And I will report back as soon as I've spent actually like quality time <laughs> with Comancheria. I've played it a little bit. Not a whole lot, but I've played it a little bit. And it's... You know, it's it's uh it's a solitaire game, so there's right. that kind of tells you something about it already. Um, but it's good. I, I I enjoyed it. I didn't keep it. I ended up selling it, but I enjoyed it. I played it probably five or six times. So there's, I mean, there's two measuring sticks on our every war game ever list, and that's Zeppelin Raider and um, <laughs> Ottoman Sunset. Now Ottoman Sunset is at twenty three, and Zeppelin Raider is at twenty five. But there is well, there's a whole Comanche empire between those two. I mean yeah. that in land size. I'm not making a comment on Comancheria. There is a big gap between Autumn and Sunset in terms of quality and Zeppelin Raider and my. The State of Siege games are really enjoyable. Yeah. So that's kind of going to be where I'm comparing Comancheria to. Yeah. Um, I've got about three solitaire, like literally only solitaire games that I really enjoy that um, and I haven't played any of them. It's funny because I haven't played any of them like during the lockdown, which is a per- perfect time to play <laughs> right, them. Right. Um, but any of those would would rank much higher on the list than Ottoman Sunset or something like that. And the other one is, and we talked about it briefly last time, is White Eagle Defiant, which is the follow up. Uh, I mean, it's I guess it's kind of a sequel to Brave Little Belgium. We've talked about it. And there's a whole interview with the designers of it. Um, but I want to spend some more time with that, hopefully play that somewhat opposed instead of just playing it solo. And then both of those games, Brave Little Belgium and White Eagle Defined, that is, those both need to end up on the every war yeah. game list for sure. Yeah, and they play so quickly. That actually might be a good one to even do them, you know, oh, play yeah. them together and compare them as well. 
I haven't yeah, played yeah, White yeah, Eagle sure. Defied. I haven't played it. I'm really interested to hear what you think of it, but Brave Love Belgium I played many times. Right. Um, speaking of that, um, I want to see if it's... I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but if you go to Ryan Heilman's Twitter, mm-hmm. which is at Ryan M. Heilman, H-E-I-L-M-A-N, he is running a giveaway for White Eagle to Oh, that's right. Yeah, I did sign up for that. Uh, it ends Halloween night. You just have to like his post, share his post, and then... I think you have to like, like the game, the game on, on BGG. BGG, yeah. And I will um, retweet that right now. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, yeah, go go get your opportunity to uh, snag a free copy of White Eagle Defiant. Uh, this will go up before the deadline ends, so there you go. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it for me, um, other than stuff we'll talk about in the nonsense time. Yeah. I'm still playing Hungarian Rhapsody. I'm enjoying the hell Ooh. out of it. In fact, I just yeah. set it up again because this time I want to play the full campaign. I've been playing the smaller oh. stuff. But yeah, I'm going to play the full campaign. I'm going to go all the way through and... And at that point, after, you know, 47 turns or whatever it is, I'll, I'll be ready to take it off the table. But it's it's just that really all? good. Yeah, it's so it's like five turns a month and the campaign was like okay. five or six months or something like that. So, yeah, they're okay. basically weekly turns. So it's not gotcha. that long. It's not like great campaigns, the Americans of War long. Well, some of the like. Right. Um, but the turns themselves could be longer. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. And then like um, Blitzkrieg Legend is much. The campaign game is much shorter than Beyond the Rhine's campaign game, if I remember correctly. Which is basically the same map. It's just you're going one direction in one, and okay, direction yeah. in the other. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah, Hungarian Rhapsody is it. It's October through February, I want to say. So weekly turns. So it's that many turns. Someone could do that math, but I'm not going to try. So that's cool. Wow. Yeah, that's, so, that's ambitious. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm continuing to play that. It's so good. I love it. Um, All Bridges Burning, which we, we talked about a little bit. I've been playing that. And then we're going to talk more, but I've been playing Imperial Struggle as well. So that's what nice. I've been playing. That's great. I want to um, Imperial Struggle. We mentioned it. AC's mentioned it. It's, it's not a game you can just pull out and like say, oh, I've played Twilight Struggle. <laughs> and that's what I tried yeah, to do. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. But uh, which, well, so interestingly enough, and there are, isn't there like, like an East Africa version of Twilight Struggle that's basically Twilight Struggle just on a small footprint? And I think there's another one as well. I think what? there are a couple small versions of Twilight Struggle. Yeah, one of them. Made by GMT? Uh, see, this is the part where we just like Google stuff on the air. So <laughs> what is, all right. This isn't Chance of Gaming. <laughs> all right, so Twilight <laughs> Struggle. Let's see if there's listed as a family. Twilight Struggle Red Sea, Conflict in the Horn of Africa. Oh, so it's yeah, not, it's not out yet. Okay. And I think that's just an expansion. Yeah, but it's 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 a smaller game too. Like if you look at the map, it's it's oh, it's just like it's not an expansion. Yeah, it's just like the Easter. It I think it's if you've played um, huh. what's the what's the sort of smaller version of Empire of the Sun called, where you just play in like the sea off of Australia. I think oh, it's basically yeah. that's the analogy there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Twilight Struggle Red Sea is the perfect way to introduce new players to the Twilight Struggle system while maintaining all the tension, decision-making, and theme of the original classic. The cards from Twilight Struggle can be used in Twilight Struggle Red Sea and vice versa. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I thought it was. But the reason I brought this up is because this is not that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's just dive into yeah. it. Uh, Rich is going to feature. Uh, he's got the featured game this this month, and um, probably to no one's surprise, this game's got a lot of buzz. It's the hottest thing. Actually, the hottest thing right now is Lost Ruins Varnak, but we can say that <laughs> this is the hottest thing, uh, and that's Imperial Struggle. Yeah, so yeah, this is our featured game of the month. Um, obviously, we talked about it. It's a GMT game uh, designed by Ananda Gupta and Jason Matthews, who are, not surprisingly, uh, the same guys that uh, designed Twilight Struggle. Um, Twilight Struggle, if you have been in a cave, is, I believe, GMT's best-selling game of all time. So it's a two-player only game. It takes place during the Cold War. It's a card game. And basically you just, you vie for influence over literally the entire world as U.S. and, and, and Russia. So when Imperial Struggle came out, when it was first announced, it was, they didn't shy away from that. They said it was the spiritual successor to, to Twilight Struggle. And I think a lot of people, maybe including me, just kind of thought, well, this is going to be Twilight Struggle set in France and England in the 17th, 18th century, whatever. And it's it's really not that. Um, it may be the spiritual successor, but it's certainly not a sequel. It's a, it's a separate game and a game that I enjoy more. Um, the game is, it's the map is very different, although it does pretty much take place over the whole world. Um, the, the map is divided into four spheres, they call them. So Europe, North America, the Caribbean and, uh, India. So, and you can take actions and do different things over the course of those, uh, over the course of your turn in those different spheres, um, based on, you know, what cards you play and what tiles you pull and stuff like that. Um, at its heart, it's a card driven, well, I don't know that it would call it a card-driven game because it's not its not like Twilight Struggle where you're playing cards for actions. The cards are really a bonus, and depending on the way the tiles come up, you might play an entire turn and never get to play a card. Um, it's going to be a sucky turn for you if you don't get to because the bonuses are really nice. But it's really more of like an action selection, maybe even yes. a worker placement game if you want to call it that. Um, I would say action yeah, selection. Yeah, because you don't for, place for sure. workers, but right, you right. apply your influence to different areas of the world. Um, there's different. There's basically three different types of influence that you can place. There's economic influence that you can do to gain control of markets. There's military influence that you can do to gain control of ports and forts. And then there is diplomatic influence that you can use to gain for to gain control of uh, what do they call? It's not alliances, but basically just you know political areas um and then like it's the map is very interesting because in europe there are no markets at all there's literally nothing you can do with economic points in europe because there are no markets that europe is where the markets go where they end up not where they come from so it's it's very much a game about colonialism and uh, uh exploiting north america the caribbean and india um 
The victory points are pretty interesting. It's kind of a point salad type thing um, in that every single turn, you're going to get points for having influence in each of the four spheres. You're going to get some points for having uh, the different commodities that are being requested this turn. So there's six total commodities. Let's see if I can remember. It's spice, cotton, sugar, fish, furs, and something else one other tobacco yeah it is tobacco yeah (laughs) no it is tobacco you're right um but every turn only three of those are going to be in demand so it's interesting because at the beginning of the turn you'll flip three of them over and you'll say okay these are going to be in demand this turn so you may look at it you're like sweet they want cotton i've already got all the cotton that i need in india i don't even need to worry about that Or it could be like, ooh, they want tobacco this turn, and tobacco is kind of split between the two players. So additionally, every turn, what you get for winning the commodity is a little different as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, The victory points in general are sort of variable. So like this turn, Europe could be worth one victory point. The next turn, it could be worth no victory points. Um, It just depends on which, which chit comes up. Uh, so there's, yeah, control of areas, control of prestige spaces, which are basically like high profile political alliances, and then control of the commodities. And then the game alternates between peace turns and war turns. So you know when the war is coming, it's not like, oh, there's a surprise, we're going to have a war. You know that next turn we're going to have a war. It's either going to be the war of Austrian succession or Spanish succession or the American War for Independence or a fourth one that I can't remember. Um, But there's four wars, and each war you're going to fight in different areas as well. The wars are super simple. This is not like a war game where you're going to have a lot of strategy and everything. In fact, by the time that the war actually takes place, it's already done. I mean, all you're doing is flipping over chits to find out what happened. You prepare for the war turn during the peace turn, but once the war comes, really the only decisions you get to make are basically how to spend your what amounts to victory points. So, you know, in in this sphere, I beat you by three points or whatever, so I'm going to get to do this. Um, I'm going to get to take this fort from you. I'm going to get to take this market from you blah, blah, blah. And then the loser usually gets something too, usually some treaty points. Um, And treaty points are basically just like bonus actions. So there's a little bit of a, well, if you get your butt kicked in the war, you're going to get to do more next time to kind of keep up a little bit. And that's the basics of the game. Um, Like I said, there's, there's six peace turns and four war turns. Every turn is really just four rounds. So each player gets to do four things. Um, The deck is, there's one shared deck, and then each of the powers, France and England, each have their own deck of what's called ministers. So in each era, you get to pick a couple ministers, and it's basically like a special ability that you get to use. Uh, They connect in with some of the other things, too, through some keywords, so you could have like a minister that has the mercantile keyword that lets you activate certain abilities. You can have a minister. France actually has a special one called the Jacobite war, um, which allows you to possibly get some extra victory points from, from Ireland and Scotland. So there's things like that um, where each side has its own, but the, the main deck that you use for the events is a shared deck. And this one does kind of look like a coin game or, 
nah, not really Twilight Struggle because Twilight Struggle is always one side or the other. But for most cards, there's going to be a British one and a French one on the same card. And you'll just get to do whichever one you're playing. Um, yeah, and I think it's worth worth pointing out, and, and you alluded to this a little bit, all of those event plays are tied to that action selection, right? It's you have to take an action that actually allows you to play an event, right? You're not guaranteed to be playing your cards. Right. Yeah. So every turn you're going to get three cards dealt to you. Um, and there's also going to be uh, nine investment tiles is what they're called. And you can think of investment tiles as the way that you are spending your country's capital for that turn, whether it's political military or economic. So you're going to, you're going to use your country's resources to try to do something somewhere. Um, some of those tiles have a little symbol on them that allow them to work with a card. Um, I would say, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's probably a little less than half. So of those nine investment tiles, maybe four of them are going to have that symbol. And of the four that have that symbol, some of them have to actually match up with a specific symbol on your card. So I can I can look at my cards and I can say, well, crap, none of those investment tiles are going to let me use a card at all. So I'm just not going to be able to play any cards. But I can. the investment tile is actually the main part of the play. The card is just kind of the bonus. But like I said, sometimes they are pretty big bonuses. So it's definitely an advantage if you can use them. But the investment tile is really the main part of the play. And like I said, there's nine dealt out. So each player gets to, you know, you take turns picking one. And then the reason there's nine instead of eight is so that the last person still has a choice between two. And then you you reshuffle them and use the same tiles. There's, I don't know, something like 20 investment tiles total. So there's not a whole lot of, I mean, there is variety there. You know, they're going to be but they're all going to have some number of points that you can spend on either military or economic or diplomatic uh, investments. And usually there's going to be like a major one. Well, there's always going to be a major one on top and a minor one on the bottom. They're going to be two of those three different things that you can spend. And then there's, there's rules like, um, you know, if you want to do some things in North America and the Caribbean, you have to spend more points to move from one sphere to the other. But, you know, really it's just, it's, it's pretty simple. The rules themselves. Um, my wife, who's not a, she's not like a strategy war game or anything like that. She played it. She picked up pretty quickly. She enjoyed the hell of it. She kicked my butt. So I lost badly as France to her. So, <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to agree. I don't think the rules were necessarily hard. Um, I just tried to like cram them in before we played, mm-hmm. and then like you pull out this very um, elaborate, like a busy map. It's a, I think the map is gorgeous, yeah. but it is very busy with lots of little boxes and different things going on. Very much so. Spheres. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, uh, what did I just read, and how does that apply to this? Right. But I think going through the rules itself, I don't think it's very hard to to grasp especially if you're familiar with really any of the game concepts like action selection and things like that yep yeah i mean there's she we we definitely did not struggle with the rules i mean really the only struggle is because it's an action selection game you know by definition you're never going to be able to do everything that you want to do so it's trying to figure out what is important how can i maximize 
you know, what I'm trying to do and, and what the specific victory conditions for this turn are going to be, because you may have a turn where, um, controlling India is literally zero victory points. You're going to get nothing for it. But on that same turn, you could have cotton and spice come up as commodities, which are, you know, if you win both of those, that might be five victory points for you. So, so it's a big deal knowing what is going on this turn. And then it's interesting too, because it's obviously it's random, but what comes up from turn to turn, if you get cotton twice in a row, it's going to benefit the person that won it the first time. So, but that's not to say you can't, you can't focus your efforts into retaking what you lost. Um, like I said, she kicked my butt at it. Part of the reason is because she was playing England. I was playing France. She had such a huge lead in India that by the end of the game, I was not even trying. And literally there were no French counters anywhere in India at all, which is a bad strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Good. So like you need to be able to, my takeaway from that is you have to maintain, and this would make sense, your presence in all four spheres. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what comes up, but yeah, I think that's definitely the case. At the end of, so victory conditions, um, it's basically a 30-point game, and you start at 15, and if it gets all the way down to, I may have this backwards, but one side wants to get to zero, and the other side wants to get to 30. I can't remember which is which offhand. Um, But, so basically, if you win... If you completely take it off the track, it's an automatic victory. Um, You can automatically win in the middle of a turn two by winning all the commodities and all the wars. But most of the time, it's just going to come down to which side of 15 are you on. Um, But then at the end, if no one has hit either zero or 30, there are certain things they're going to score again. And one of those is commodities. So if you score the commodities a second time, that might be enough to push you over. Sure. Cool. Anything else rules wise or rules wise? Not really. Um, I mean, it was interesting. Um, the, the, the rules themselves were, you know, they were easy to read. The rule book is fine. Um, I didn't have any problems with it all because I really enjoy the history of things. Um, we, like I said, there's a natural comparison with twilight struggle, even though there are very different games. The one area that, Twilight Struggle might have been more interesting for me is because I'm more aware of those events. Like I can pick up a Twilight Struggle card and I can go, oh yeah, I remember when we bombed Libya, you know, um, or, or I read about when this happened or, you know, Castro or whatever. Whereas the events between England and France between 1600 and 1800 or whatever it came out to um, are obviously I'm much less acquainted with. But I mean, Part of that is the reason that I want to play the game too, because I'll read those cards and go, this looks interesting. I'd like to learn more about that guy. Right. Right. Cool. Uh, sounds like you liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a fun game. Um, it's, uh, in fact, I mean, my wife enjoyed it so much that she's like, yeah, we, we ought to just leave the set up. It, it took us a while to play just because, we couldn't just sit down and play it in one session, but she's like, you know, this would be really easy to just set it up and you could play a turn in half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever, and just come back to it later. And honestly, once you get the rules down, it won't take nearly that long, but it's, it's a game that we could just leave set up on the table and play over the course of a week or something. So good. 
yeah, my brother ran out and grabbed a copy, and I think it's already sold out. Like, they've already announced the second printing. Which is awesome. Uh, yeah, good for them. Yeah, and I know that there's the map error, but that shouldn't deter anyone because I think you can go get the fix for that from GMT. Yeah, and I did not P500 this one. I got this one from Miniature uh-huh. Market, but because I P500ed one of the other ones that they had problems with, I don't remember which one offhand, um, I'm going to get this fix anyway. So, right. But honestly, the fix is not that big a deal. So one of the fixes is a... so. Because there are four wars, there are certain spaces that give you military points in the wars. Like basically you've, you know, you've made friends with Germany and Germany's going to send troops to fight for you in whatever that war is. But they don't help in every single war. So those little dots on the map that show you in war one, these guys will help you. They will not help you in war two, war three, they will blah, blah, blah. Um, And one of them was misprinted. But honestly, I don't look at that anyway, because... On the actual war sheet, which is where you're spending all your time adjudicating the results of the war, it lists which countries are helping you. So I'm going to look at Germany. I'm not going to look at the whole map and try to find everywhere that there's two pips. So And is, is the war sheet accurate? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I think it's, I think okay, it's just cool, the cool, map. Cool. I, I looked over the errata because I was curious about that. And uh-huh. uh, I, don't, I don't think it was a big deal. Nice. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll be glad to have the fix, but it's, it wasn't a big deal. I think, um, yeah, so if you missed that, GMT like was aware of the issue, but they have some. I was trying to find it on their website. Because so I should probably order that because I'm assuming that I'm going to get those games. Gosh, was that back in August? That they first announced their fix? Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, it was, it was in their last, it was in the update. They mentioned it in the update that just came out, but I think they first mentioned it in the previous one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Imperial struggle Versailles 1919 and all bridges burning. Oh, all bridges burning. That's it. That's the one I P 500 did. Yeah. There you go. Which is another one that had, it had minor things, but, but nothing huge. I mean, there's one of them, like, like one of the counters that shows the, I think the victory points for the moderates is off. But, you know, if you if you know that it's an error, you just put it in the right place. It's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. I think what you want to search for, if you were going to go over to GMT's deal, well, I thought it was multi-game update kit, but obviously that's not it. So, never mind. Well, anyways, it's out there if you want to go hunt it down. Yeah. Um, but the game, it's really impressive that it's sold out. It's It's no surprise with... Uh, Twilight Struggle success. I think you're right in assuming if I was going to bet, I would assume that Twilight Struggle's, you know, bestseller of all time for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would it is. Ima- yeah. Like, I'm sure Empire of the Sun is up there, but something tells me that Twilight Struggle reaches a broader audience, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to say? Are you ready to rank this? No, let's rank it. Let's get to right, here's, it. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw you a curveball though. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I've not played yet, but so what I pro- what I am proposing is let's rank Twilight Struggle first to give you a measuring stick. Interesting. Okay. Um, now, according to BJG, no, Twilight Struggle is the greatest war game of all time. Yeah, but BGG <laughs> isn't a objective. You know. 
again, we're just the arbiters and we're just, uh, you know, uh, to quote War, War Rocket Ajax, we're merely the sculptors and just chipping away <laughs> at the marble. The lines we're are just trying to there. find out what what is in there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, no one needs to hear us go into Twilight struggle in depth. The game's around for 2000 since 2005. A lot of people played it, obviously, and people have talked about it uh plenty it at one point was the best game on bgg it's still considered the best war game on bgg um and for purposes of this podcast it counts as a war game we're not going to debate those merits uh so let's rank twilight struggle first all right and then you can you can park imperial struggle okay twilight struggle so yeah this is where it gets difficult because there's where i think it's going to fall is in a bunch of games that I know something about but haven't played. Okay, so I'm looking somewhere, but I'll, I'll hear your so idea So here's first. where I'm going to start. When I look at Axis Empires Totaler Krieg, I have not played that game, but I have played Unconditional Surrender, which is same designer, and I think there are similarities. Not the same game, but I think there are similarities. And I think that's better than Twilight Struggle. Oh, Axis Empires? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think sorry. I'm starting. I'm looking much lower. I think I'm looking at thirteen down. Okay. So but then right I look at. Empire. So I look at. Then I go down to kind of skip ahead a few. Seventeen fifty four French and Indian War. I I haven't played it, but I think Twilight Struggle is better than that one. So I think that's the area I'm looking at. Okay, so we're now we're about the the right page. Um, so 1754 is at number 17 above that we have operation Pegasus, which is a really, okay, let's talk about operation Pegasus in 1754. Those are two imperfect games that have really neat concepts going on for them. Yeah. The airpoint, like managing helicopters in operation Pegasus is really cool. I'm glad you were talking about helicopters in 1754. Sorry, Operation Pegasus. <laughs> uh, um, in Operation Pegasus, plus the hidden movement of the Viet, Viet Cong and all that stuff. Fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. But the game is like dated. The actual gameplay mechanics are dated. 1754 is a very simple war game, but the victory conditions and the drawing of activations for powers is fantastic. Yeah. And honestly, like I would really good. I would say that there are comparisons to Twilight Struggle there. Twilight Struggle is not a right. difficult game to learn, but figuring out how to do what you can with what you have is probably, I mean, that's the game there. Twilight Struggle, I think, does not have a strong theme, except that we all know the things that are on the cards. You know what I mean? Right. I think you could easily retheme Twilight Struggle and make it something else. But the reason we like Twilight Struggle is because we look at those cards and we remember those historical events. I think that and is sort of artificially inflated. It. That's my yeah, opinion. It is a cool thing. I agree 100%. There is no connection between... I mean, I, I sorry, there is some connection... I don't feel the game connection between playing X card and carrying out 
the actions mm-hmm. or necessarily even getting the event. But oftentimes you're not even playing the event. You're using it for influence like you would in a card-driven right. game where you have yeah. you can play it for the event or you can play it for influence or you know do a coup or whatever you're going to do. And I just don't yeah. feel the connection. I feel like I'm just doing this to win this game of spreading influence, you know, here and there. And I don't I don't enjoy that as much as other games, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it's, you. And and I see I, that too. I mean, even though it's, it's it's almost like how much of it can you appreciate just because it's a game and how much do you need it to have historical connection? So, right. you know, take and I th- take a, a late war card, Russians shoot down the Korean airliner. I think it's worth like four action points. You can take that. And if you don't care about Korea, you can use that to flip South Africa. <laughs> so what does that mean that the Russians did or did not shoot down that airliner and you used it to get U.S. influence in South Africa? <laughs> I think there's similar games that have better consequences between the actions you take and and seeing it kind of play out. Like, I just don't feel yeah. uh, a connection between what I'm doing and, and, the, and what shapes out and what plays out yeah. in the game. And that's, that's actually why I think that Imperial Struggle is better, because in Imperial Struggle, the heart of the game is not the cards. The heart of the game is the tiles. And the tiles are... I mean, they're, they're different, but they're generic. It's basically saying either England or France has a certain amount of economic control that they are going to spend somewhere in the world. And maybe they have a card that allows them just temporarily to get a bonus off of that. But the card is the bonus. It's not the heart of the game. I, I think we're in the right area. I think it's below Operation Pegasus. Um because even though operation pegasus is dated in its you know combat rules um like i still feel like i'm playing a a vietnam game and super enjoy it Mm -hmm. 1754 like twilight twilight struggle is definitely i think a better game design um like you could throw 1754 anywhere and call it you know, I don't feel like I'm fighting the French-Indian War other than I'm looking at a map. So it's really comparable to Imperial Struggle. And I think just from a d- design perspective, you could probably dump Imperial Struggle in front of 1754 just because it's a better... You you mean Twilight uh, Struggle, right? Twilight Struggle okay. is better than 1754. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy with seeing Twilight Struggle at 17. Okay. Uh, but that's the right, sideshow. Now we've got the main event. Yes. Let's put it at 17 and then let's, can we pause real quick? Yeah. All right. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Our, tra- our the- train game just went crazy, man. <laughs> I feel like that's I'm in a good bad. position, but because everything went so fast with no bidding, there's a lot of cash out there. Have you ever used a nose Frida? What? A nose Frida? No. It's like a straw on one end and then like the suction thing on the other. And there's like a filter so you don't transfer bacteria and snot. But basically it's to suck snot out of your kid's nose. <laughs> I mean, I've so seen, that I've seen the thing that it, it kind of looks like a little 
blue bubble with a nozzle and, and we always just called it a snot sucker. <laughs> yeah, so we have that for sure. But yeah. uh, my wife had me use the nose Frida hmm. and it really sucked it out of there. I was like, this is weird. I'm really glad this filter's here because yeah, poor kid. I mean, she doesn't know. Poor kid. Anyways, okay, so we have ranked uh, Twilight Struggle as the currently 17th. 17th best, best board game of all time. But something tells me it's about to get knocked down a few notches. <laughs> yeah, at <least> one notch. <laughs> at least one. Because now you need to find a spot for Imperial Struggle. Yeah. So. So how far up are, do you think you'll jump here? So I'm. I'm. I mean, my first thought is. So I'm looking at nine and ten. Empire of the Sun, Battle Hymn Volume One. Empire of the Ooh. Sun, I think is better for sure. I. I don't think there's a question there. Battle Hymn. There's a question there. I think Whoa. I think I like Battle Him better, um, mostly because of P Ridge, not because of Gettysburg. Sure, but I think I'm I think I'm looking at placing. And again, I haven't played Onward Christian Soldiers. That's that's one I was hoping to play this winter, possibly. Haven't played Blitzkrieg Legend, Tataler Krieg. Ha, again, I haven't played it, so we're in this weird situation. I would definitely place it below Battle Him. What about Normandy 44 with what you know about like the Zokban series? Yeah, see, I'd probably, what I know of Zokban series, I would probably have Normandy 44 higher is the problem, but I haven't played that yeah. specific one. I love Holland so much. I played Holland again. I don't think I met, even mentioned that. I got that one out again just to play Solitaire in September during you know, the anniversary of Market Garden. So, um. Yeah, so, this Blitzkrieg is... Legend is an OCS game. Okay. And I know you haven't yeah. played it specifically, but you've been playing uh, Hungarian Rhapsody. Right. Um, and so it's OCS. It's a big one. Yeah. It's a very big one. Yeah, I have Blitzkrieg starts... Legend. I just haven't played it yet because it's it's yeah. huge. So, I mean, at least kind of knowing... Yeah. See, that, the, and the, honestly, that's that's what makes it difficult, too, because there is there is a certain quality to a game that is more accessible and is still a very good game, you know? And I think, I think Imperial struggle has done a good balance of finding a a good job of finding the balance between accessibility and still being a good game. I mean, I joke around a lot about having to play settlers of Catan, which anybody can learn easily, but it's also just not a good game. I don't enjoy playing it. Um, and then there are huge games that I love playing and they're great games, but I also know that I'm never going to get the, my wife to play that game with me. So right. that Bl- said, Blitzkrieg Legend, is Blitzkrieg Legend OCS. I, I mean, I without having played it, I've got to say that's a better game than Imperial Struggle. Okay. So, so then, I mean, you don't have a whole lot of room below that. Yeah. So 13X, Empires, 14 Normandy, 44, 15 SPQR, 16 Operation Pegasus, and then 17 is Twilight Struggle. Mm-hmm. So based off what we've said, it's going above Twilight Struggle. Um, I'll, it might From what I've seen in the rules, in at least getting everything out in the Vassal module and at least attempting to go, um, I, it's probably better than Operation Pegasus. I mean, the other weird thing here is it's a Euro game, right? Right. I mean, this isn't... This isn't a, a debate of whether it's a war game or not, but like if I had to pick one, I'd say it's a Euro game. Um, whereas Operation Pegasus is your standard hex encounter war game, mm-hmm. and so that that kind of factors in as well. Um, 
Man, SPQR is a really great game. Yeah, that's one but sitting on my also, shelf taunting me. Yeah, but that's also one I got rid of just because I know I would never play it in person because it was already a game that I was reluctant to play anyway. Is it too fiddly? It is pretty fiddly. I think I remember you describing that to me one point as ASL for ancients. I don't know if that was me who did that, <laughs> but, uh, and I wouldn't even go that far. It's just, there's like a lot of cleanup and, you know, when you have a whole line of combatants, it just takes a, yeah, a long time. Yeah, that's a bird game, right? Stuff. It is, yeah, yeah. which, I mean. It's good, but. Yeah, Berg, Berg makes good games that are not always easy to grok, you know what I mean? Without playing this game, and this is going to come down to you until uh, I can play Mm -hmm. and we consider adjusting it, I would put it below Normandy 44 and above SPQR is is where I would go. But ultimately, this is 100%. Yeah, it's hard for me to say with SPQR. Again, it's on my shelf. It's taunting me. I really want to play that game. I just haven't gotten a knot yet. But as much as I love that Simonich series, hmm. You think it's better than Normandy 44? I don't know. So that's the other, that's the other thing more, about the Simonich series is that, so Normandy 44 is one of the, his first ones, right? Or, um, or am I thinking France I, 40? France 40 was one of his okay. first ones, but I don't think, I mean, I don't think Normandy 44 was too far along okay. after that. Because from what I've heard, the earlier games in the series are not as good as the later ones. I think they just keep getting better and better. If it was an early, ah, let's go 15. Let's go 15. Let's put it below Normandy 44. I've well, hold on. I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to say one thing. I bet that Imperial struggle has more replay value. I love Normandy 44, but I mean, I think it's going to play yeah, that's out the true. same a lot. I mean, that's my problem. Have I mean, honestly, that's my problem with Normandy games in general. Right. Is that and yeah. when you when you limit combat factors at eighteen, there that even narrows it down even more because it's not like you can't go for like mm-hmm. a death stack or anything, which I'm not saying that's a viable strategy or anything, but then it limits you know to like really what you should be doing anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Let's go fourteen then. Okay. So it's gonna come in above Normandy forty four below Axis Empires to tell yeah. Greek for now. And like I said, even though I haven't played it, I sort of equate Axis Empires with Unconditional Surrender Europe, which is is a better game than Imperial Struggle, I think. Yeah, at some point, I'll need to talk about Dicenso a little bit more. Maybe just, there's not a ton of comparison to do with Dicenso and Totaler Krieg. They do play a little bit differently, but eventually Dicenso probably needs to end up on this list. I just need to decide if it's yeah. better or worse than Totaler Krieg. Okay, cool. Yeah, that is such a hard thing to try to make pto and eto the same system you know right right that's a different conversation though it is well cool i i'm i'm good with it going there again reading through the rules and looking at the map i'm i'm fine with that we'll put an asterisk next to it (laughs) um because i do plan on i definitely plan on playing this before the end of the year so we should at least yeah and it's a fun game it may you know it's a, it's the 14th greatest game of all time, which is still very respectable and it is fun. And it's, so far. and it's a game that it's, it's a sweet spot that I can play with my wife. So nice. Very good. 
Okay, cool. Uh, we had uh, a question. Uh, so Michael asks, what genres mechanically of war game do you gravitate towards? I'm thinking hex encounter, card driven, card assisted, you go, I go, impulse, euro ish, etc. Does it depend on the subject or scale? Do you find some more accurate to reality or some less accurate but more fun? Yeah, a lot of questions in there. Um, I think sort of my base that I start with is Hex Encounter. We talked about this a little bit last time, but Hex Encounter is just always where I'm going to start. I can branch out from there. I can look at, you know, point to point or area or whatever, but Hex Encounter is, is that's where I live. Um, so as far as the other stuff, one mechanic that I really like is chit pull, just because I like, mm-hmm. I like it. You go, I go has its place, especially, you know, OCS, big, huge turns, but you, you can get into the situation, especially with the bigger games where it's like, okay, it's your turn. I'm going to lunch. <laughs> I'll, right. I'll be back later. Um, I like chit pull games because I like the randomness that they add to it where, um, you know, I, I really need this guy to go and I can't pull his damn shit right now. <laughs> and he's getting right. slowly surrounded by enemy armies and now he can't do what he wants to do. I think that that is fun. Yeah. I, so I agree with your first two points. I mean, I gravitate towards hex encounter. You go, I go, I think the sweet spot is hex encounter chip pull or you go, I go with, limited activations and i'm thinking something along the lines of bcs where you're not you're not doing every single counter yeah you're only doing a group of counters and that's i think the sweet spot of you go i go and then chip pull i mean you nailed it everything about it i think that's um i do like the gcacw like role for it which can be super frustrating Mm -hmm. but it i mean it just works so well for the civil war um but like line of battles, big knock in my opinion was just like how much you actually have to do on your turn because you have to like, if you're deep in the Antietam scenario, like that's a shit ton of counters that you have to worry about. Yeah. Um, so just breaking it down e- either, you know, in cores or divisions or however you want to break it down. I think that's the the sweet spot. Um, and I think that is, well, is probably true at any any scale um like i'm trying to think it like if we're talking tactical you know asl is everything but ats is um certain numbers right it is it yeah like you can either do one group or one stack and then what game am i thinking of where like you can move a certain number of guys it must be band of brothers like tells you how many how many units you can activate so like depending on the scenario maybe the germans can move two guys before they have to pass over to the u.s or something like Mm -hmm. that um and so i think that's saying the same thing like yeah asl is fantastic but also it can be really burdensome to move all of your counters so is the sweet spot maybe it's ats or something like band of brothers where it's you're breaking up those activations. So I think at any scale, in my opinion, just breaking up the massive turns is, is probably better in the long run. Yeah. That's actually one of the cool things that I like about OCS is that OCS, according to the rules, you're allowed to move all of your counters. You know, you've got a big, huge game. You've got 300 counters. You're allowed to move them all. 
but do you have the supply to move them all? Oh, well, so that's true. that makes it kind of yeah. cool because now it's not the rules telling you're not allowed to do something. It's the fact that, you know, if, if you were the general in charge of that area, you know, I just, I can't get gas to all these guys at the same time. So I'm going to get gas to them and they are going to take this part of the offensive. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's another way that's to, to model that, which I think is cool. But generally, I think like just from a um, like hex encounter for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge card driven guy. I don't dislike them. I think I just gravitates you know other ways. Um, yeah, those usually aren't my first choice. But I mean, I'll I'll play them and enjoy them. Um, there's actually a game. So Paths of Glory. I haven't played in quite a while, and I've I've been itching to get that one back on the table. Um, but it's. I really want to play that face to face, which is why I haven't played it in a while. So, but that's uh, a it's a card driven game. So sure, right, right. Yeah, I mean card assist, all that stuff's fine. Um, yeah, one I'm game. To think like if there's any you've I know you've played it and I haven't, but it kind of goes with the card assisted as well as the, uh, um, you know who gets to go and when. But it's is it is it fighting formations that has the track. Where you can oh, do yeah. things until it crosses over. Now that's here's a cool the deal. system. We should play that. It is, but like those games, it just feels like a grind to actually make progress. Yeah, because like, like if if your counters had a health bar, like it would, <laughs> be, like, it would be like you're not making a dent. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's so. Like, just as far as a mechanic goes, from a war game, that's really cool. Fighting formations have some of the best. Another mechanic I love, and it's in ATS, and it's in uh, Fighting Formations, is the, it's such a simple thing, but the, like, mortar drift grid. Yeah. Or, like, artillery drift or anything like that. I love that. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm going to fire my artillery, and then I'm going to roll this dice, and here's, like, 30 different hexes that it can actually end up in. Yeah. Such a simple thing, but I love, love, love that mechanic. Yeah. ASL basically has that as well, where, you know, you're going to roll for accuracy, and then, and then you know, the mechanics of the accuracy change based on what you're trying to do. And, yeah, there's definitely cool stuff there. I mean, you can <laughs> – you, you don't want to send in your heavy artillery as very close support because that could end up getting ugly. <laughs> Rampaging elephants in SPQ. <laughs> I'm just looking at our list here, like, what's cool. Operation – like, you know, same thing. 1754 has this really awesome game intern mechanic – and like how the victory, like what triggers the end of the game mm-hmm. and just like, it's this new thing you have to keep in mind. Like, Oh shit. Like if I play this card, that means like the game's going to end. And sometimes you have to play the card. I'm not doing a good job of explaining it, but like there's another mechanic that doesn't get talked about enough in that really simple game. Um, Anyways, are some less accurate but more fun. The the first thing that jumped to mind is something like Memoir Forty Four and Commands in Color, like yeah, or yeah, Commands in Colors. I I have played it a little bit, but I just don't enjoy it all that much. I mean, the whole oh really? Yeah, I mean it's it's. If my daughter would play with me, I would play it just because it's a very simple game, but they, they're not that interested in either. But just this whole, I have a card that lets me move only the left flank and the right, right. flank hasn't moved for four turns now because I don't have that card in my hand. That's just, it's, 
I can't wrap my head around that, you know? And so that's what I chalk up as, all right, well, that's less accurate. And I, yeah. I get it. Like, command breakdowns happen, especially, like, in Civil War and all that crap. Or any war. But, yeah, if you're going turn after turn and you're just looking for that card. Mm-hmm. But I think those games, you get in so quick. You're in and out quickly, excluding setup. Um, that they're, I think they're fun. Yeah, but they true. don't necessarily, they're not accurate. Yeah. I think that's why I like chit pull, though. There are some games where you don't pull all the chits. But most chit pull games, yeah. you're eventually going to pull them all. So you know they're going to get to go. You just don't know when. That was what was cool about Battle Him was making combat itself chit pull. Yeah, that was cool. I Yeah. Nice. Another uh, um, mechanic that I really like, I mentioned this briefly last time when we talked about Fall Blau, is uh, not knowing how strong your units are until they start fighting. That's a cool mechanic. Yeah. Anything that adds fog of war, I'm usually going to be in favor of, whether it's hidden movement or unknown unit strength or stuff like that. I I just, I think that stuff makes, makes for a more, I don't know. I don't know if it's accurate or realistic or what, but I think it makes more interesting game. Yeah. I think it just depends. and, And for my taste, it just depends on how it's implemented. Like, I think back to, I don't remember what game it is, but, like, one of them actually involved picking up your chit and flicking it like a coin to see how it is. <laughs> like, that's going to get real old real quick. I have no interest in doing that. Like, that's just a gimmick. It's a one-trick pony yeah. thing. Like, uh, it's kind of like Angola, but I guarantee Angola is better than that stuff. So. <laughs> all right, good. Uh, so, yeah, now it's time for just shenanigans to talk about all the other stuff. Um we're we're enjoying and playing but uh let's start with 18xx because rich you've jumped on 18xx.games and we've been playing some train games together yeah and i feel like at this point i i don't want to it is much fun as it is to just play a bunch of games and can play a bunch of the same turns at the same time i feel like i'm just kind of a monkey pressing buttons at some point so <laughs> i think i'm going to try to limit myself to one or two games and and try to figure out some of the specific mechanics of each one before I, you know, just go, oh, buy, sell, sell, buy, <laughs> build a track. Oh, guess what? I'm bankrupt again. Yeah, and I think that's like, but once you do have those basic mechanics down, especially like the basic 1830 mechanics down, just because cause I know you've played 46 now at least twice, mm-hmm. That is that's just so different than like how companies get money and how like it doesn't it's hard to go bankrupt in 1846 um so i think like once you but i did to play these, <laughs> no you went you went bankrupt oh in, is that the other um, one <laughs> yeah 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 you went bankrupt in the other one i think once you start to see more games like that the switch from 1889 to 1882 isn't going to be that difficult and now that you're in 1889 i think that's a 1889 is a very good and very enjoyable beginner 18xx game yeah yeah from the few that i've played i obviously the the whatever you want to call it the market grid or whatever the you know the way the share price changes that was the first thing the first time i played 1846 i'm like oh this is weird because it it doesn't go up and down inside it just it it just goes back and forth on the track is Mm -hmm. all and then yep. I think that's the first one I also played where you could pay out half or I think the yep. other games I played you either paid or you didn't pay. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's just a matter of 
repetition and then you'll start seeing the similarities but uh it, it's such a good site yeah I know we've, have you ever played or had any desire to play a monster like 18 coast to coast or is that just sometimes oh, yeah. sometimes too much of of a good thing is it's just more of a good thing and not necessarily a better thing you know what i mean yeah i wouldn't mind like an all day there's 18 oe and i've thought about like trying to track down a copy especially when it was actually in print um, which is Orient Express. And I think you can break it down into smaller games, but it's it's a monster 18xx game that obviously covers Europe and uh, the steps of Asia. Shit, it might even go further in Asia than that. But, uh, yeah, I would absolutely love to try it. And so we were talking about 18MS, which is available from pre-order from all aboard games. So that's an interesting game where instead of the game ending when the bank runs out of money or someone loses, you only have 10 operating rounds. Oh, okay. And the game moves very slow, so you can lay one piece of track. And what I meant by the private seeming overpowered is the rules they break are really, I think, beneficial in a game that you're only going to have 10 operating rounds where you're only laying one piece of track. Like, for example... In addition to that one piece of track, one private lets you lay two more pieces of track that turn. So laying three pieces of track when you're only going to be laying track nine other times in the whole game yeah. seems really beneficial. So I just want to I want to play around with that more. I think the concept of ending after 10 operating rounds instead of when the bank goes bust is super interesting. Uh, and I like it. or it, I, I thought it was interesting, but I didn't think I would like it. And I don't know if I'd like it outside of MS, but I'm really enjoying 18 Mississippi. So. Hmm. Well, good. I'm glad you finally got on board. Yeah, I wanted to, but part of it, like I said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like just join a game and sort of ruin it for everyone else because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So. <laughs> well, I don't think you're, no one, you're not ruining it by any means. Um, you know what I mean though? I mean, right, there's, the, there's, right. there was the concern that, if all I was doing was just doing things randomly, then other people that actually knew what they were doing. It's not like I'm going to accidentally win, although I kind of did my first time that I ever played it, but <laughs> um, it's just more of a fact that I wouldn't want to. And then even when the the one game that I did go bankrupt, uh, I, I had forgotten that that instantly ended the game. When I went bankrupt, <laughs> I, I thought that basically I would be out of the game and you guys would continue and like, Oh yeah, that's right. That incident ends it for everyone. <laughs> I want to say like maybe miss MS or something else I just played had a rule where it doesn't end on in bankruptcy. Okay. And it, I think it may be 18 MS because it has that fixed amount. Yeah. That would so make sense. it's not always the case that you'll, uh, you'll go bankrupt. Uh, yeah. Nice. Good. 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 I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to like 1817. I know is one that has like a lot of a lot of people really like that game because it's got a lot of different shenanigans going on. So when that's out of alpha, same thing with 18 Max. I really want to play that one. And uh, so when it's out of alpha, and I'm not worried about losing the game, I'll I'll hop into those. Mm -hmm. Good, cool. Uh, we have some RPGs coming up together. We're playing Call of Cthulhu tomorrow night. That's right, we are. Yeah, it's hopefully, hopefully more people will join. I think right now you're the only one that accepted the invite. So, oh, I'm sure Anthony <laughs> will, will pop in. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, that'll yeah, just be, be a little time. one shot. It'll be fun. But I've I don't have a whole lot of experience with Roll Twenty and none at all as a GM. So uh, I just kind of want to get my feet wet before I start doing more. But I definitely want to do more with Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I started playing a game recently too. So with one of my friends that I used to play face to face with, he's still in town, but we're not doing face to face RPGing. Um, he put together a small group, and we're playing. Uh, Warhammer fantasy role-playing. Oh, nice. Have you ever played that? No, and it's something that I have... uh, It's been brought up, Mm -hmm. and I just have no interest in that. So it's funny you say that. He's been trying to talk me into playing this game forever. And every time I think of Warhammer... I think of like space Marines with big, huge armor. And even in the fantasy stuff, I think of like the ridiculous, unrealistic armor. And I think that looks stupid. I don't want to play that. (laughs) But the game itself is very low power, gritty. I mean, like you don't, you don't get to be like a fighter or a rogue or a wizard or something. You get to be like a baker or a longshoreman, <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, you know, my guy, he's he's a student and he's not particularly tough or anything. So, um, you know, it's very easy to die in the game. It's low power. It's gritted. It's gritty. So I'm enjoying it a whole lot more than I thought I was going to. Well, see, that sounds amazing. Yeah, like, I know. That's, I, was, I was definitely another boat. <laughs> I want to be a baker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll actually have to look into it and uh, give it a shot because I had just assumed. Yeah. You know, what happens when you assume. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I'll definitely look into that. The the other RPG I want to mention is Score, which is that little, really simple, um. 20 page RPG. You just roll D sixes. We didn't even use roll 20 mm-hmm. and everyone brought their own dice and we just did a session over discord. Um, it's over on the, um, aac.podbean.com mm-hmm. for the RPG stuff. Um, and it's just all about different heists. Uh, like we did a bank robbery to start, but like you could do an art museum or you could do whatever. I mean, the game is so open ended and there's only four character types and the whole goal, like we could do a one shot, we can call it good and just be done with it. Or you can continue to play your character. And as you progress, you get like more success dice and then you get more special abilities. And then like, if someone new comes in, like they start off as a new guy, which I think adds a really interesting dynamic. Like you have experienced robbers with maybe like a new guy on the crew and the all the players are trying to finish enough jobs to finally get that last job. And then, like, on the last job, they have their, like, super ability that lets them do something really cool. Um, Wait, but that like has five, to be, like, you have to say, like, this is my last job? Well, you have to, like, how the game works. I mean, you could probably jump in wherever. Like, you can do wherever you want. How the game works is, like, you have to progress through three or four heists. Oh, okay. And then once you finish those without getting arrested then like, okay, this is our last job. And that's that's when you're done with your campaign or whatever. I mean, it's not really a race to be done or anything, mm-hmm. but um, it's five bucks. I think it's more if you, I got the print copy from Exalted Funeral. Super happy with it. Really, really fun system. And again, it was just nice to get, I like a good, well-written module to play through. I'm okay with like being on the rails a little bit. I want to hear the story. I want to investigate the mystery. 
it was nice to just like hang out, have some drinks, not worry about like a map and everything looking right or having all this cool music or handouts or anything like that. It was just like, all right, we're going to go in and beforehand there's like tables in the back and it's like, okay, we're doing a bank robbery. Here's the level of security that they have at this bank and all right, good enough. Let's go. So are you running that or playing it? I am running that. Okay. So in whatever GM materials you get, is there, do they give you a lot of information for what the heist is going to be? Or is it just kind of generic? You're going to rob a bank and you know what I mean? So it, there is, it's like you can randomize what you're going to do, like what you're going to rob. You can, then there's tables for like, okay, what kind of technology, not specifics, like is the technology for security better than you expect, worse than you expect, or like, okay, are there armed guards? Are there, is there just like an old guy there? Are okay. there bystanders? And I don't know, there's probably like 10, you know, D6 tables for customizing those jobs. And let's say you roll an art museum, there's maybe three specific tables of that art museum if you want to do that. And you can... There's like optional objectives. If you like pick the bank, you can have them be like, okay, you're not actually robbing it. You're going to burn everything in the vault or you know, <laughs> make them do things like that or something. Uh, so yeah, it's fun. It's called Score. It's from Gila or Gila RPGs, G-I-L-A RPGs. Mm. Are you still playing Alien? Yeah. Yeah. Alien we play once a month. How do you like that? It's good. It's really good. Um the stress and fear <laughs> it's called stress but like the fear mechanic in that game mm-hmm. is really solid um we had a big combat last session and like two guys were off by themselves and basically it was amplifying off each other like because one guy would roll and he'd roll stress and once your stress gets high enough your you know your chances of negative consequences start to happen well you know they're both stressed out they both keep pushing their rolls whatever and they start to panic, and then that causes the other player's stress to go up and, and things like that. Um, and so it's it creates this tension. Yeah. And then, you know, the Free League D6 system I already like. Um, and so it, it's fun. I really enjoy it. Cool. I keep giving them red herrings. <laughs> like, so that we basically have gone to two locations. One was a outpost on like a desert planet and uh, basically they had to deal with a bunch of raiders. And then recent, most recently they flew up to a research station and they got there and all the lights were out. And as soon as they like cross the, th- the threshold, the whole place goes into quarantine procedures. Mm-hmm. And then that ended up, I, it was a synthetic. So like they actually haven't faced an alien yet, <laughs> but it's good. I, I really like it. It's a solid RPG product. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned your, I don't know if I, you mentioned your game room, but you didn't really say. You said you were waiting for your table to come. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's still on schedule. Like they're not running behind or anything. So uh, still plan on proceeding forward with everything as soon as the game room's done. But um, right now we got to get our IKEA like has a room mapper, and so we've got everything what we know we want to do. I just gotta suck up and go to IKEA and buy all the stuff and put the shelves together. Uh, they have a room which, mapper, like a computer tool where you can put in your dimensions and pick stuff out. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. The, the one thing I don't like is you can't, it's like per product line. Like I can't do Besta and Calax. Uh, 
That's weird. Like, I either have to do all best, just in the room mapper. I mean, obviously, right. you can buy whatever the hell you want. Yeah. But, like, in the room mapper. Uh, it's a religion. You have to other. sign up for yeah, one. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, we're going to do best uh, just for the, like, flexibility. And, you know, if, like, we had all Euro games, maybe I'd do Calyx or something. But we're going to do best, which is a little more flexible in your spacing on, on one wall. Get that set up. And really, we just need to do it. And I should get it done before the table gets here. So I can put all my games. Our guest bedroom is just like stacks, of, <laughs> stacks of games and books and <laughs> crap all over the place. I think that's. Uh, you still did you add squadrons? Yeah, you still playing that? Not as much as I'd like. Yeah. So I my joystick. I bought a joystick from a buddy, and that's here, and it's really fun. I think I'm better with a mouse still, just because of like there's still a lot of button combinations to learn. Like, all right, where did I have targeting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I'm better with a mouse, but like in the campaign stuff, using the joystick is awesome. Yeah. I'm playing on Xbox. So have they fixed some of the bugs? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I haven't you know, played like, have multiplayer it? at all or anything. Well, I think I played once just to try it out, but mostly I'm just playing through the story and doing the practice stuff. I don't play that much just cause I don't play, xbox that much in general but a uh, couple times a week i play it it is i mean it's really fun <laughs> it is it's it's good so here we go there was a update 1.2 on october 15th mm-hmm. and which is good because i remember like you had the mission that like, oh that's right mission, yeah but they I, never I totally showed forgot up. about that yes i did i replayed that mission and it, it worked fine. So I don't know if it was because of an update or because that glitch just didn't happen. But yeah, I totally forgot about that until you mentioned that. There was another thing like on the <laughs> tutorial for fleet battles. Uh-huh. If you died, if you died in the fleet battles tutorial, you couldn't finish the tutorial. Oh. Which is yeah. super annoying. I don't know if they, okay, they fixed that one on October 8th, which I I had finished without dying, but I was like, well, that's frustrating because one yeah. guy was telling me like he tried for an hour to blow up the capital ship and it never let him. I was like, well, that doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's very fun. I think they need to add some stuff to, you know, like keep me coming back. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to want to put more ships in there. I mean, gosh, Star yeah. Wars has so many ships you can put in that you can just sort of trickle them in. I just hope they well, don't make you pay for them. <laughs> I hope so, too. Hey, 15 and bucks also- and you get a B-Wing. Right, right, right. More like diverse fleet battles or just more different game modes. Yeah. Like you could really easily do a like what what you might call it? Um Team Fortress 2 had like multiplayer escort missions like when you could do an escort mission online for Star Wars or something, you know, something like that. Uh just to keep me coming back. But it's good. You know, it's it's 40 bucks, so it's not a full price game. Um I've certainly enjoyed it, but no, I haven't, I haven't played it in a week or so. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually probably the only problem I have is when I play battlefront, you know, I can play split screen with my daughter or whatever, but I can't do that in squadron. So I sort of considered buying a second copy on PC just so we could play at the same time, but I don't think I'm that interested in doing that. So (laughs) good. Cool. 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 Yeah. It's, it's fun. Uh, that may be it. I've got some new artwork for history off the table. Um, 
Yeah. Super happy about that. You know, but, you talking you about know. your spooky month stuff, or are you talking about something different? No, no, no. A new logo for uh, <laughs> for the off the table podcast which is i mean that's still on hold for until the game room's done um but that's over on the uh, off table pod which is where i tweet about all the crap that's not uh war games and stuff uh, but i think that's that's oh i guess i will mention that i've been reading i've been trying to read a bunch of horror stuff and consume like horror shows and i read the elementals by Michael McDowell, and he's known for um, Beetlejuice. He's the writer of Beetlejuice. But he wrote all these uh, like Southern Gothic horror books and mm-hmm. didn't get a whole lot of praise for those because everyone knew him for Beetlejuice. Uh, it was fantastic. I really want to use it for like Call of Cthulhu inspiration. It was just a super solid uh, haunted house story set in, on the coast of Alabama. I, it's called The great. Elementals. The Elementals by Michael McDowell. Check that out. Yeah. And then it was New York Times put out like a one spooky book for each state. 50 (laughs) states, 50 scares. And so Alabama's was the Elementals. Uh, Missouri for us was something about um, like a, a Native American man-eating bear or 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 some shit like that it was something i'd never heard of the crota huh i haven't heard of that either yeah so that was missouri's kansas was something called kill creek but it was it was good list are these all like real urban legends or no 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 they're books they're just books Books based okay yeah so crota may not even be an urban legend um but uh yeah we're like uh, colorado's is the shining you know, things like that. Mm, got it. Uh, so New York, New York Times, 50 States, 50 Scares. Uh, there's quite a few off that list that I, I want to read, like Louisiana's and Arkansas's. Both sound really good. Things like that. Oh, his uh, Michael McDowell's on here twice for Cold Moon over uh, Babylon. Cool. Uh, yeah, and then we watched uh, Bly Manor. Have you watched that yet? No. Did you watch Haunting the Hill House? On Netflix? I, oh, on Netflix. No, definitely not. But do you, there do was, you like scary stuff? So I do, but I don't like I don't like slasher stuff. I like thrillers. Like I like you know I like the stuff you don't see rather than seeing some guy get like his face cut open or yeah. something. <laughs> that stuff I don't like. So not only like one of the best horror shows I've watched, but one of the best shows I've watched, Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. was fantastic from last year. Loved it just like the details in the background and just the story was phenomenal. And then they came out with Bly Manor, which was the director's follow-up. And I would say it's more, it's definitely gothic horror, not horror horror. And it's more of a love story than anything. Uh, It wasn't, but that was a, we watched that because it's, you know, spooky season. Uh, It was really good, but like I was, the first five episodes, I was super tense because I was so scared from Haunting of Hill House last year that I'm like, oh man, this is going to scare the bejesus out of me. And then it ended up not being uh, very scary. But I still like the story as a whole. That's Bly Manor. You still watching the Cthulhu TV show? Yeah, yeah. It's Well, no, it's or done. Or is it over? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, well, I, I don't, did they say At least the season's over. Right, okay. at least the season. Yeah, yeah loved it. Super good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch that probably in December. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, we're also watching this show called The Vow. 
mm-hmm. w- which is uh, that's that Nexium sex cult uh, pyramid scheme thing. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that. That girl from Small Girl right, got yeah. arrested for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really good too. Um, we've been chipping away at that. I think we're on our last episode. I think it was nine episodes, and we started nine episodes last night, hmm. or episode nine last night. Yeah, I haven't been. I watched The Boys season two, and not much else. I'm not watching much TV now. But Mandalorian starts in a week. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get as much like spooky stuff out of the way as soon as Mandalorian's out. We'll watch we will watch Halloween on on Halloween, either the original from seventy eight or I really like the one from two thousand eighteen. Uh so we're gonna do one of those two around the bonfire outside and Yeah. And then after that it's on to Mandalorian. Fortunately I gotta work that night. Oh I know, it's brutal. Well, you probably won't get many trick or treaters. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Well. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, it's next month is November, Rich, which means we need to start talking about our we're, end of the year. We're getting close, or something like that. Yeah, getting close to the end of 2020, which everyone is thankful for. Yeah, we'll see about 2020. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah. All right. Don't say it. Don't bit. say it can't be worse. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Well, that's going to do it for me. You got anything else? No, that's it for me, too. All right. Well, if you have any questions or concerns, well, don't send your concerns. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, historytablepodcast at gmail.com, historytablepodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter, at historytablepod, at historytablepod. And then if you care about like seeing the other nonsense I talk about, specifically like comics or spooky things I'm reading or watching, it's off. It's at off table pod off table pod uh rich where can they find you on the web find me on twitter as well i am trapeer jr and i only have one account so you get all of my craziness all in one place it's one stop shopping whether it's uh, weird political stuff that i'm retreating retweeting or some funny picture i saw on reddit or whatever there you go folks (laughs) all right that's gonna do it we'll be back next month good night everyone